Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Today's guest for the Scaling Your Business podcast is hailing all the way from Vietnam, but he is Irish. His name is Jack O'Sullivan, the founder of Modmo. Jack, you're very welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Thanks very much for having me. Cheers. Delighted to have you here. Delighted to have you. Typically, what I do with the po- uh, the beginning of the podcast is I go back a couple of chapters right to the beginning. I have a, a question that I don't usually ask, but given your background of being a founder of Modmo, and before that, I can see you're importing and selling uh, refurbished iPhones. I've got to ask, have you got a history of entrepreneurs in your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. Um, I guess parents started a... Uh, physical therapy college about 30 years ago and uh, the two my mom and dad ran that business you know for my entire life so uh, I guess it's all I ever really knew and I guess that was I wouldn't say I was pushed that way but as I was a kid you know if I wanted to buy something you know they weren't going to give me the money so I would go wash cars and sell something you know nice nice I see that you grew up in Cabantili if I'm correct yep that's right Favorite part memory of growing up in Cabantili? Ah, I'd have to say um, riding our bikes. We we built these kind of mountain bike tracks in Cabantili Park. We used to have like a big crew of guys and we would build all these dirt jumps and destroy ourselves. And uh, yeah, like every day after school would have been spent up there. So that was, there were great times. Nice. I, I, you, you mentioned dirt bikes. Didn't take me long to find out that you're a former downhill rider. So I'm curious to know what's one thing that you're into that not a lot of people might not know about you. Yeah. I mean, probably that, I mean, um, I'm certainly happiest when on two wheels. So we mix that up a little bit in Vietnam, seeing as there's no mountains, but usually it's like motocross bikes. So that is where I spend most of my time when I'm not working. Nice. And you're, you've been out in Vietnam for close to three years now. Yes. Flown by came for you know i think two days and kind of stayed here so uh, it's just a great place to live a lot of fun and gotta love the warm weather i've asked the question about cabin Tilly and i feel like you've partially answered it but what's your favorite part of vietnam honestly the warm weather is so good um <laughs> yeah um but yeah you gotta say it's like remarkably friendly people um it's weird like i could go absolutely anywhere and they have this love for foreigners so i'll be like cycling in the middle of nowhere and they will literally be like hey hey, hey, come here and like they will give you a beer invite you in for dinner like it's happened countless times it's absolutely crazy um so like yeah incredibly friendly people um so yeah that's that's gotta be it yeah Nice. And you said you originally went there for two days. Was that to kind of scope out how they uh, do stuff on the manufacturing line to look at, the, I don't know, they may be, have been ahead of the curve in terms of building the bikes that you're building. What was it that initially brought you out there and then made you stay longer than two days? Yeah, exactly. So it was a motorbike factory. Um, mm. I think back then they weren't doing bicycles, but uh uh, a colleague of mine had mentioned, you know, I'd been in Shenzhen in China 
looking mm -hmm. for a factory and it was just like a hey i visited this factory before in vietnam well ahead of the curve in terms of their manufacturing techniques because usually you don't get such high-tech manufacturing in bicycles but uh, this was a motorbike factory so they had you know all the robots and huge ginormous machines and stuff and it was just like something i'd never seen before with um in bike factories so i was like oh this is the real real deal you know um so it was a quick visit there but like straight away they're kind of the factory managers you know you didn't come for a meeting and then go home it's like Coming for a meeting and then they bring you out for dinner and you go for beers and like um yeah that's kind of how it started and it's still what goes on today so it sounds like a great life over there i must say and um, for those who aren't familiar with modmo can you take 30 seconds to explain what modmo is yeah um basically we create the bike design to replace your car so smart electric and modular bicycles um certainly focus on user experience and also i guess integrating the technology that you would expect from any other product these days uh building it into your bike so you 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 said and i can't remember the article but i have a quote here from you it said after using a bicycle as my primary mode of transport for many years i identified three core limitations and set out to solve them what are those three core limitations mm -hmm. yeah so i guess it was sweat Heft and technology in a sense, or, um, you know, sorry, <laughs> sweat, heft and utility. Um, so like sweat, you know, the simple concept was make an electric bike, but make it beautiful. I think in the mm -hmm. past, so many uh, e-bikes were normal bikes, a battery hanging on off the, the back and they just looked awful. And like, you could see there was huge potential there, but nobody had put the time into, you know, creating something that was up to standard. So, um, you know, that really solved the issue of sweat, right? Because riding an e-bike is just completely effortless. You know, you're still moving your legs, but you're like gliding along. Um, so it certainly get you from A to B with no sweat. And the second point then was, let's say utility, right? You know, I found myself like bikes are great for getting me around, but, you know, if I'm bringing my dog to the park, going shopping, um maybe bringing kids around like it just doesn't work so i wanted to create a modular bicycle so we kind of pioneered that concept and added on a, a modular mount on the front and the rear which basically it's a quick release mounting point um so you'll just slide on your your baby seat trailer nice. food delivery box like whole range of accessories that just clip on you know it can be endless and we'll continuously keep developing these um, but it's really just like you've got your core bike and then whatever you're doing, you'll have an accessory to clip on there. So your surfboard rack, whatever. And it'll just allow you to use your bike for everything. Um, and the final one, heft. So I guess outside of having like a physical lock to secure to a pole, what we did was we integrated like a a GPS sensor along with Bluetooth mm -hmm. and a 4G data connection and developed our own app. So primarily that's that's the main theft feature. Um, we, you know, it'll detect when the bike's being moved. If, uh, you know, if it's locked through the app, then it'll notify you straight away. You can check the location where it is. Uh, and then we've also built in a whole kind of series of these 
smaller details on the bikes. Like I'm sure you've seen a nice bike in Dublin city center where the wheels have been robbed and yeah. so we've created special bolts and uh, kind of many things like that. All the electronics are integrated inside the bike. You know, you don't see anything from the outside. I, I, I particularly like the theft feature because if you mentioned uh, wheels going missing on bikes in Dublin, if a bike is nicked in Dublin, um, if you don't see the person nicking it and what direction they're going in, you could consider your bike gone. Whereas now what you're saying is with this GPS function, I'm assuming you can open up an app and see where that person is going on your bike. Yeah, nice. It uh, sounds like you've 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 gone. No, like that's what the staff do here. If I'm like out for a while and they're like, Jack, we need you to come back to sign a document, they will just pull up the location on the back end server. And, I like uh, that. You know, send someone there for a signature. It sounds uh, like you've so built just to clarify, you can turn off uh the tracking oh, you can. through okay. the app. So we're yeah. not gonna be a problem anymore. Yeah, just in case you have any uh, partners that uh, want to track where you're going. Um, it sounds like you built a, a, a product from uh, limitations that you had on bicycles that you rode when you were growing up. Would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah, 100%. One of the things that you talk about is the battery life. and Not a concern for me, but I did a quick Google search, and it's a question that comes up not just on your bike, but on other bikes, you know, is the battery life as long as it says it is? Is it as good as it is? You've come out and said that you'll get tired of riding the bike before the battery runs out on you. I, I can't remember, was it 100 kilometers that you rode over a couple of day period and the battery was still not even less than 50%. And you said your ass gets sore, which I've been on the back of uh, Harley recently and I was on it for an hour and my ass was dead. So I understand the feeling of your ass being sore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so our batteries go up to 200 kilometers and say on, because we've got five different power levels on mm -hmm. the bike, right? Depending on how much assistance you want. So basically at level five, which is where I would usually ride it, like full power, of course. Um, and then, yeah, last time was got 125 kilometers. And that is a full day of riding. You'd be pretty exhausted, even if you're not pedaling, but it's, yeah, it's a really good yeah. distance. So you have hit a substantial mark in terms of bike pre-sales. I'm not going to give away the amount, but one of the countries that stood out to me for level of interest was Germany. Is there a specific reason why the Germans are purchasing your bikes more frequently than, let's say, the Irish? Well, yeah, I guess a number of factors, but probably primarily because Germany is the biggest e-bike market in Europe. So that's one big factor. And I think they also prefer higher quality products um, along with, I think our design is, you know, quite beautiful. So I guess would attract a, a German sense of style as well. Um, we also had a huge amount of uh, German media feature us when we launched. Um, nice. And yeah. You know, it's amazing. Some of the big media companies there, I'd never even heard of, but they were driving ginormous amount of traffic. So, you know, it was, I think, a mixture of a couple of those things. Plus, like, the timing was absolutely perfect to launch, you know, right at the start of COVID. That's when, you know, they call it the great e-bike boom of 2020. And so we just nailed that at a time when there was a lot of excitement in the market why those sales were so much bigger in Germany is 
it's it is hard to understand and it's something that we're still trying to figure out but um yeah yet to, like it's really yet to be seen whether that trend will continue or you know whether the other countries will get a chance to pick up once we've got more bikes on the street available to test ride and stuff talk me through the launch because because to be before you get anyone to take action you must first get their attention and that's probably was probably a priority of yours during the launch how did you go about that yeah actually i think that's one of the most interesting things about the entire company was how we launched because i guess from the outside people might have thought we were a big company um but it was really just myself and one engineer and we had been sat in my apartment for probably like six months at this stage you know designing and it had gotten to the point where we were at a pretty um you know the cash balance was very low and yeah. you know kind of with our backs against the wall you know i was just like okay i'm just gonna launch it you know we don't have any other options like raising investment is actually quite hard even when you know i thought we had the most amazing idea in the world and of course we were going to be successful but uh i guess when you uh, you know this is kind of the first job i've ever had so maybe a little bit difficult to convince people to back it then but um basically what i did was we had the 3d design and i found a guy in central vietnam who had worked on creating kind of animation videos for hollywood studios and stuff and i kind of just i sat in a cafe for a week and you know exactly described how i wanted every single scene to be every camera movement um how the lighting would look and what we created was maybe the initial launch video that quite a lot of people saw it was a 3d render of like the product we wanted to create so mm. the bike did exist just 3d designs and we had also brought in the, the frame factory to you know make a really rough prototype like a proof of concept um because in order to create the final a product we had to do all this tooling and molds and stuff so what we were able to do was chop two bikes in half weld them together and you know we had something that resembled the final product yeah um so i basically went out with two videos a 3d render of this is how the product will look and another kind of explainer video of me saying you know this is what we have this is the proof of concept um and originally the target was if we can get a hundred people to place a 99 euro deposit each, we would have, you know, 10,000 euro, which was enough to put the Keep deposit going for a while. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, that was it. And then I think the first, like, so I actually launched in March, uh, I think it's 11th. So almost exactly one year ago. I think the first month was 30 bikes. The next month was 200. The month after that was 320. So it went up like insanely quick. And then we also started allowing people to pay the full amount because people, people wanted to pay more than a 99 year yeah. deposit, which is crazy. But, you know, we started accepting that. And then like all of a sudden we actually have a real business and like we started hiring and, you know, we kind of, well, over the next year, the business grew, but also we were able to realize the product and we shipped the first production run there. It was just before Chinese New Year. I guess that's February. Mm -hmm. And it's a little less than a year to go from concept to shipping. 
Um, so yeah, it was like really crazy year with everything that happened, all the supply chain disruptions, you know, obviously coronavirus, but like, yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's wildly impressive. So if I take you back to March, you, you launched March, you had 30 uh, people put down a deposit and within three months you had, my maths is not great, but give or take 500 plus people put down a deposit. How did you feel in May 2020 when you were sitting knowing that 500 people had put down a deposit and your goal initially was 100 people? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I mean, first of all, it was an amazing feeling, but I guess, I mean, like, I was certainly on the top of the world, but like, you you know, that's when your foot really goes on the gas. I mean, like, there's, I could probably count the number of days I've taken off in the last year on one hand, you know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work and it's always go, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. You're, you're, you're a busy man then. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and look, we have our highs and our lows. Like uh, one month in September, I think it was, one of the key component suppliers said, you know, we're stopping to accept orders. Um, and, you know, if you order now, maybe we'll deliver in two years. So that was like, you know, notifying our customers that this won't be available and, you know, getting cancellations like, you know, that, that was a really tough period of time. And, you know, it always has these kind of knock-on consequences. Um, but, you know, uh, always come back around and it's been good since. I, I, I do want to ask a couple of questions around Vietnam and the culture out there because I've, I've seen a couple of things you've done. But with Germany being a, a, a huge hub of interest, I'm guessing the media picked up on your initial launch. Do you have target uh, regions or areas, or is it just uh, as in you're you're going to identify the top kind of ten cities that are bike friendly and like the fifteen minute cities? Do you have targeted regions, or are you just saying we're putting this out here? We're putting a huge effort into our marketing, and anyone who wants to buy one of our bikes can purchase one of our bikes. Yeah, so originally it was, we would accept any order. So I think we had orders from 35 countries. But I guess then when you realize actually you're building a business and like yeah, everyone knows one bad review really hurts. Yeah. So then we, we actually had to like start pairing back orders and looking like they're not in a core region. Like we're really sorry, but like in order to provide a good service, because like after sales is one of the most difficult parts and like having a, truly happy customer so yeah i guess we paired back to our core countries um targeted around europe very primarily um and then yeah going in, into the future we've kind of decided that you know we need to focus very very closely on our core market so we're not even going to look outside but we're going to open up to start working with distributors um so that they can kind of take their local knowledge of different countries markets you know, customer expectations and, you know, build Modmo there. Because um, otherwise, you know, it's, it is a gigantic challenge to try and do every country perfectly. And um, yeah, yeah, we certainly want to have happy customers. Absolutely. Local distributors, you referenced the designer that you uh, used in the early days. What's the startup culture like in Vietnam? Yeah, like actually there is not so much like 
uh, it's very difficult to get investment here. And also I think the educational system does not really encourage this type of thing. Um, just kind of talking to our staff, they're like, I can't believe how you would be able to kind of follow through with this idea, you know? Um, really different culture here. And, you know, I think it, schools do teach you to follow rules um, and not to question things, where I think where we come from, it's completely different. So, um, yeah, and also like, I guess, in a sense, I think most startups get their, you know, maybe their first few dollars of investment through friends and family. And here you just wouldn't have, a lot of people wouldn't have the same level of disposable income. So that creates yeah. a huge barrier, right? And it's kind of goes on. The whole ecosystem is just not as developed, but, you know, there definitely are funds focused on Vietnam and startup accelerators, but like, yeah, it's just far from what it is in Ireland. You've built an amazing company culture. That said, you know, I, I I saw that you have rented a house over there and a rather nice house at that. How have you built such a, an amazing company culture? If anyone watches types in Mod Monty YouTube and can watch some of the vlogs, you'll you'll see in, in seconds that Jack here has built an amazing company culture. And second question to that, why do you think that's so important? Well, I guess like how you do it is, I mean, it's kind of just an, ex I think all startups are maybe an extension of the founder's personality and like, you know, I've never been a super serious guy. I'm, you know, big messer in school. And like, I don't particularly care about how maybe like senior people look on you. Like, you know, a lot of people would say like, are you sure you want to do this? You know, it comes across as very unprofessional. I'm like, I don't care. Like, look at everybody in the organization. Majority of people are around 25 or 30. And again, this is like, a reason why a lot of people joined us so like i'm certainly not in any rush to mature and i genuinely think it's better like you know we have a lot of software developers here and i think you know a lot of software developers are usually you know to think they will just like walk around the office but here they go into the back garden and you've got you know the saigon river here in the front garden it's you know ginormous we've got chickens we've got a uh, a golden horse uh you know it's just like especially in a city like saigon a city of 14 million people um this is quite unique and i really saw the value in having this sort of space um so yeah kind of just did it um don't ask anyone's opinion and go ahead with it i love that hats off kudos to you and, and massive respect um future plans your it's now March 2021. You launch in March 2020. What does the next, you know, 12 months look like for Jack and Modmo? Yeah, um, we've made pretty, um, pretty big growth, like in terms of the team, um, big investments in like the technology development and like really stepping up our game there. Also diversifying the product lineup, you know, um, we've just really got one model of bike and i want to make different types of bike for different types of people you know i i truly truly believe that e-bikes are kind of the future of urban mobility and the bike we have made is not perfect for everybody but i think we're you know one part of the team is focusing on building the core technology 
and the other part of the team is you know adapting the form to you know kids women cargo bikes um, folding bikes you know things like that amazing amazing yes especially with, with, with a number of european cities most notably paris turning into what they call 15 minute cities i can see your bikes featuring more and more and more as uh, the, the the years go on jack you've got an amazing story you you come from a family of entrepreneurs i referenced earlier on that you uh, bought and sold refurbished iphones your 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 main product now is modmo you, you are obviously a busy man. You said you can count on one hand the number of days that you've taken off over the last year, but I'm sure you've enjoyed every day that you've, that you've worked. How do you continue to learn or invest in yourself? You got a current book that you're reading? Do you listen to podcasts, watch YouTube? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I think, I think being the, the founder of a company is like, I couldn't understand how you would learn more. You know, it's like, on a weekly or maybe monthly basis, I'm just thrown into something like absolutely no idea. You know, like, like for example, like last month was like fundraising. I'd never raised capital for a company before. And like, uh, you know, actually like three minutes before your call, I just checked about our bank account and saw that like the first of our seed round is landing within the account. So like, Congrats. you know, that's a huge milestone for us. And thanks very much. Yeah. And um, will allow us to grow a lot um book i'm reading is actually a kind of a random one but rich dad poor dad uh few people just told me i had to read it so i've been listening to that uh in the showers recently and then podcasts i think a, a big one for me throughout the last couple of years and a big reason like how i kind of kept going through all the really shitty times when you know you know building modmo before it took off um was how i built this um you know i just i kind of thought it was amazing how other like the really terrible kind of situations that other founders were in and it's just like you know you just keep fighting through it and like better days come ahead so mm -hmm. like i found a lot of good lessons from that podcast and you know kind of just knowing that even if like people are like oh this is ridiculous how is it like this i'm like you know it's a, it's a startup yeah it's, this isn't perfect but you know we know that and it's going to be perfect in a month you know who cares like this is just a continuous process um and yeah i guess you know you can eat an elephant bite by bite so i smile when i hear of irish people starting businesses and succeeding and you certainly fit into that bracket and you'll continue to succeed fingers crossed uh, you've 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 certainly got the work ethic behind you to do so I wish you all the best in the future. And thanks very much for your time today, Jack. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to talk and look, looking forward to catching up uh, maybe in a year or two.